0: You may have come across the term raids and rescues multiple times when reading a newspaper or watching a news channel. We've been often asked by those visiting us at TradeNa, do you conduct rescues? What is your role as a civil society organization in this process? And most importantly, what happens to these individuals after they're rescued? Let's try and get answers to these questions in today's episode. Welcome to Humans Not For Sale, a podcast that aims to create broader awareness around human trafficking for commercial sexual exploitation. I'm Kashina Karim, Assistant Director of a non-profit and civil society organization called Pradna. Today, we're talking about the process of a rescue and what happens after a victim of commercial sexual exploitation is rescued. If a person has been trafficked, then it is their right and the duty of the state and society to liberate them from exploitation and restore their dignity, including make good for the loss, injury and damage, and bring the offender to justice. In the anti-trafficking interventions, rescue of a trafficked person or the victim occupies a central place. So let's first understand, what is rescue? Dr. Patkar, The co-founder of Predna explains.
1: Rescue indicates that you are moving that person from a situation of exploitation or danger and you are taking that person to a place where the person is protected and that danger ceases to exist or the exploitation is interrupted where at least for that moment it is not there. That place is safe, that place is protected, that place is free of exploitation. So very specifically in a narrow sense we can consider this is rescue.
0: Rescues in the context of commercial sexual exploitation conventionally take place through a police raid. There are provisions in the Indian law that very clearly lay out the rules and procedures for conducting a rescue. Dr. Patkar helps us understand what that is.
1: Various instruments of law have laid down the process as to how offenders are to be taken into custody, how evidence is to be collected, what preparations need to be made. So in the Immoral Traffic Act, there is a provision in the Section 14, Section 15, Section 16 combined for search, which we call as RAID in common language. Rescue of persons who are victims and arrest of persons who are supposed to be the offenders. Section 15 and Section 16 are slightly different. Section 15 deals with search operation where if a designated police officer at the police station level that is the special police officer has reasons to believe that the law is being violated in some place or some situation. In that case, he can go with certain preparations laid down in the law and the rules and other procedures and conduct a search operation which is commonly called as raid and rescue the victims there, take the accused into custody and collect the material evidence. Section 16 is a little different. Section 16, if a magistrate gets to know or is communicated by somebody that there is a premise or there is a place where the law is being violated or somebody is carrying on prostitution or somebody is being made to carry on prostitution, in that case, the magistrate can call an officer who is no lower than the rank of sub-inspector of police and send him to go to the premise and get the person rescued from that place and produce the person before him.
0: From a technical perspective, it is important to understand what the process of rescue entails. From the moment the information is received by the police official till the time the person may be brought out of that situation of exploitation, Dr. Patkar takes us through a rescue step by step.
1: A police officer designated as special police officer at a police station level gets to know that there is a violation of law happening somewhere. There is some kind of person who is getting exploited commercially, sexually. And once he gets to know that, he has to first of all confirm that with preliminary inquiries, which is the regular job of the police. They find out whether there is any substance in that kind of an information or not. Where do they get the information? They may have their own circle of informants. They may have. That is not more important. What is more important is that once the police officer is convinced that there are reasons to believe that there is a violation of law happening at such and such place and there is a commercial sexual exploitation happening at such and such place, then he has to start preparing to actually get into the situation, liberate the persons who are in captivity or who are being exploited, take into custody those who are responsible for that kind of an offense, assault or exploitation and also make sure that they get sufficient material evidence in that place whereby the case can be put up in the court and charge sheet can be prepared. As a part of that preparation, the very common kind of a procedure that is adopted or technique that is adopted by police stations in India is to send a decoy customer. Who is a decoy customer? A decoy customer is any member of a civil society, not necessarily or not at all a part of the police force or regimental force and not uh, a criminal. Such a person is used To go a little before the actual search operation or the first part of the search operation, that person has to go inside, pose himself as a kind of a customer there. So he will make the payment, he will get entry into that place and he will make sure that the police team which is waiting outside will be able to come in and get what it wants to get in terms of victims, offenders, abettors and material evidence, all of that, he has to ascertain that, otherwise it will be a kind of a abortive action. And when you are in a position whereby substantially it can be established that transactional sex was happening, that a kind of adequate arrangement was made by the people who were there facilitating that transactional commercial sex, then that person is expected to give some kind of a priorly decided signal, whereby the police knows that with full force they can go inside. What is the preparation on the part of the police there? The police is supposed to carry two persons who will serve as witnesses. One of them has to be a woman. Then the police has to have lady police officers with him because there are going to be women who will be rescued or taken into custody and the male police officer should not be actually handling them. And therefore they must have some idea as to what is the total number of people who are likely to be found there. Then proportionately they have to take the police force and proportionately they have to take the lady police officers also with them. In that place the police officer has a right, not a duty, but right to take into custody all those people who are found living in that place.
0: Civil society organisations like Predna may also play a part in assisting the police in the process of rescue. Here's Dr. Patkar taking us through the role and legal provisions for the involvement of civil society organisations or individuals in the process of rescue.
1: The social legislation in India has shown that kind of progressive nature of incorporating civil society elements in the implementation of the law and not making it a monopoly of the police force or the prosecution alone. The Immoral Traffic Prevention Act is a best example of that. The law is very progressive and it has made provisions to incorporate the civil society element also in the process of search and rescue. This special police officer is supposed to take help of an advisory body which consists of civil society members. Mostly the civil society organizations and representatives of organizations who are working against trafficking. So they are to be consulted by the special police officer at every stage till the trial is complete. The special inspector, so special police officer will take help of the civil society members at the time of conducting a search operation. And he is supposed to have at least two persons with him, one of whom should be a woman. And why women? Because most of the victims are women victims and therefore a woman should be there. The law is also telling them to take lady police officers. What is important is among the witnesses there are to be one woman witness essentially, preferably social workers. They should also be the people who should talk to the victims and provide immediate kind of a uh, psychosocial first aid to, you know, they traumatize because entire search operation, rescue operation is a very traumatizing event for the victims. And therefore, they really need immediate kind of a psychosocial help. So that is something that is expected to be provided by the social workers who go as witnesses. So that is yet another involvement of the civil society in actually carrying out rescue operations and post-rescue of course.
2: Rashmi was a prostituted young mother who was rescued by the police in Hyderabad during a search operation. A group of 12 policemen suddenly entered the red light area in a jeep and police van at 11 in the night. As soon as the vehicle stopped, the policemen jumped out and swooped in with a bang, shouting, running, pushing people aside, slapping them, manhandling, and scaring everyone they went past. There was chaos. Eventually, 12 people were picked up by the police, which included seven girls that were supposedly rescued. Rashmi was one of them. As a routine, Rashmi's three-year-old daughter, Riya, would sleep under a bed in a corner of the room in the brothel. However, when the police team came barging in, people inside and around the brothels started running helter-skelter. In the chaos, Rashmi couldn't find Rhea anywhere. Soon, the women constables grabbed Rashmi, the other girls along with the brothel keeper and dragged them towards the police vehicle. Rashmi kept calling out for Rhea, but no one could help her. It was only at the police station that a police officer listened to Rashmi pleading and sent a policeman back to the brothel to look for Rhea. She was not found and a missing child complaint was registered. Eventually, Rashmi was kept in a government protective home where she had no freedom to go out. She suffered from extreme trauma, anxiety, and sleepless nights. The thought of what could have happened to Rhea scared her tremendously. Three months later, a civil society organization traced Rhea in the neighboring red light area in the possession of a brothel keeper. They helped the police reunite Rashmi and Ria. Sadly, three-year-old Ria showed all symptoms of having been severely traumatized.
0: The process of rescue itself can be extremely traumatizing for a victim of sexual violence. They experience pressure from the brothel keepers, managers and pimps not to disclose any information. This kind of pressure can be overwhelming and can cause a lot of anxiety, especially when they are closer and closer to the time of being liberated from their situation of exploitation. Therefore, once the police have taken charge of the premise, it is crucial that the victims are assisted as soon as they are identified. What does this on-site support and assistance look like?
1: Very often what happens, the victims do not have bank account because they don't have necessary paperwork done. And therefore all their savings are with the pimps or with the brothel keepers. Their jewellery, their clothes, their documents, their children also are in the possession or custody of the brothel keepers, brothel managers or pimps. And that is the right time to actually get them also out of the captivity and therefore they have to talk to the victims and check with the victims as to what are the other things which are in the possession of the brothel keeper or brothel manager and accordingly take that also and then leave the place and uh, generally those the women who go there as a part of the witnesses are also expected to give some kind of an immediate relief to the women victims. I mean separating them out and talking to them and making sure that they are not very extremely embarrassed or discomforted. So this is generally what happens. And then the police will also carry some kind of a spot panchanama, a kind of a record of evidence. And on the scene of crime, take photographs if required, collect whatever document they get in that place, which can be then scrutinized whether they serve the purpose of evidence or not. All that is to be done by the police officer. And the police officer has to also have knowledge about what is he going to do or she going to do once those people are taken into custody. For example, those who are liberated or rescued from the situation of exploitation, that is the victims, are to be shifted to a place of safety, a place where they will get uh, some kind of care. The police officer is supposed to be resourceful person. He should have the Contacts with uh, other service providers who will provide the necessary kind of an assistance to the victims immediately on the rescue, such as psychological assistance, first aid, such as food or nutrition, clothing, etc, etc, etc. Now, it is the responsibility of the police officer to separate the offenders from the victims and make sure that the offenders don't get mixed up with the victims. Very often what happens to be in commanding position or to control the behavior and statements of the victims once they are rescued. The offenders generally pose as victims and get mixed up with the girls or they have somebody who looks like one of the victims and she is sent to join the group of the victims. But her presence is known to the remaining victims and they know that this is actually a brothel manager. But her presence also puts limits on what, or restraints them from speaking freely with the police officer or any other pancha. So they are to be separated. There is something called sight and sound separation that by way of, by sound or by looks and by gazes, the offender should not be able to communicate or intimidate the victims they are not taken to the police station in the same vehicle. That day the police officer should arrange for more than one vehicle. So, the victims are taken in one vehicle to the police station. Offenders or the accused are taken in another vehicle. They are made to sit at separate places so that they don't intermingle and there is no communication of threat or communication of warning given to the victims. After coming to the police station, such people should be taken to the nearest magistrate and produced before the nearest magistrate. After that, the magistrate has certain things to do. Number one is that He has to ascertain whether there are any persons below the age of 18 among those who are victims and among those who are offenders. And uh, the children rescued or persons below 18 years of age rescued during the search operations are also sent for medical examination to ascertain whether there is any kind of sexual exploitation that has happened with those children, whether there is any kind of sexually transmitted infection that has happened to those children and then decide accordingly. When it comes to the adults, there are two categories among the adults. Number one is adult victims and number two adult accused. Adult accused, are the magistrate has a routine procedure of putting them into police custody or putting them into custody for further investigation and uh, interrogation. And those who are the adult victims are to be sent for rehabilitation purposes or to immediately to a place of safety and place of some kind of a comfort for them so uh, there are special homes which look after residential requirements and other requirements of adult victims. One very important damaging factor is the society looks at these people not as victims but as offenders or as morally loose people and tries to keep distance with them. We have to deal with the societal treatment of stigma and discrimination to the victims by creating sensitivity among them and by creating some kind of a bondage with the victims. And very often we realize that some very key people, if they take some kind of a positive welcoming position or role vis-a-vis the victims, others do follow that. It gives a very positive message and it affects this status or situation of, or the treatment of stigma and discrimination to a great extent.
0: Thank you for listening to our podcast, Humans Not For Sale. Every week, we're going to help you understand human trafficking for commercial sexual exploitation better. Next week, we'll look at the rehabilitation of victims and how Predna supports them through their post-rescue operations model. One thing you can do to help, if you come across a child in distress and you have reasons to believe that this child requires assistance... Call Childline at 1098. For more information, go to fighttrafficking.org, your trusted knowledge partner.